Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Deuteronomy. Well, it's Friday, faithful listeners, which is super exciting. Now, I personally love Fridays because even though I technically work from home most days and I don't really go into work a whole lot, Saturdays are great because my husband's home and I actually get to see him. I joke with um, (laughs) one of the uh, people I know that goes to my church who also works with my husband. I joke with him that he actually sees my husband more than I do. And so Fridays are always great for me because that means tomorrow I get to spend some time with my husband. So tell me what you guys like to do for the weekend because taking time off is good. We're actually going to talk about that today in Deuteronomy 16. So yeah, contact me. Tell me what you like to do on the weekend or you can comment on this podcast episode. But let's read Deuteronomy 16 verses 13 through 22. I'm going to finish up this chapter today and we're going to talk about the Feast of Booths and some other stuff that's going on here. So let's see what God has to say here. I'm going to be reading out of the World English Bible or the W.E.B. version. But of course, you can read out of the version that you prefer. And also make sure to grab that cup of coffee or that cup of tea. And let's go ahead and enjoy the reading and discussing of God's word. You shall keep the Feast of Booths seven days after you have gathered in from your threshing floor and from your wine press. You shall rejoice in your feast, you, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, the Levite, the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your gates. You shall keep a feast to Yahweh your God seven days in the place which Yahweh chooses, because Yahweh your God will bless you in all of your increase and in the work of your hands, and you shall be altogether joyful." Three times in a year, all of your males shall appear before Yahweh your God in the place which he chooses, in the feast of unleavened bread, in the feast of weeks, and in the feast of booths. You shall not appear before Yahweh empty. Every man shall give as he is able, according to Yahweh your God's blessing, which he has given you. You shall make it judges and officers in all of your gates, which Yahweh your God gives you, according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with righteous judgment. You shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality. You shall not take a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and perverts the words of the righteous. You shall follow that which is altogether just." that you may live and inherit the land which Yahweh your God gives you. You shall not plant for yourselves an Asherah of any kind of tree besides Yahweh your God's altar, which you shall make for yourselves. Neither shall you set yourself up a sacred stone, which Yahweh your God hates. There's actually a whole lot in this, more than I initially thought, because I kind of was like, wow, it just jumped from like the Feast of Booths to talking about like Asherah poles, basically. (laughs) <laughs> which Asherah was a uh, was a wooden idol, by the way. But anyway, to start out, it talks about the Feast of Booths. And this would have been a really joyous feast, by the way. This was like the really fun one. And I, I actually, my sister Jamie celebrates it with her family. They have like a little tent that they set up in their backyard and they basically like kind of go camping during the Feast of Weeks or they have in the past. I don't know if they still do it or the Feast of Booths. I'm sorry. But yeah, the Feast of Booths was the one where you're supposed to like set up the little tents and like live in them with your family for a week. And it was just like a really joyous and fun celebration. And fun fact, it actually says in the Bible that uh, in the end, like when Jesus comes back, we're all going to celebrate the Feast of 
booths together. We're going to like travel to Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, and celebrate the Feast of Booths there, which I found super cool. And the reason that is, is because the Feast of Booths actually represents peace. So this is a very joyous holiday. And the other interesting thing about it is the fact that God actually tells other nations that they're also allowed to celebrate it and should celebrate it. Because here's what it says here. You shall rejoice in this feast, the foreigner, the fatherless, the widow. So all these people, including foreigners, were invited to celebrate the Feast of Booths. That's why a lot of Christians actually go to Jerusalem every year to celebrate the Feast of Booths. There's actually a lot of Christians that travel to Jerusalem specifically for that thousands that celebrate alongside the Jewish people because God invites all to celebrate this this holiday. And yeah, I mean, it's kind of a fun little holiday if you think about it. It's like going on a camping trip with your family and it's like you're feasting, you're enjoying each other, you're hanging out with all sorts of people, you meet new people, you meet foreigners that are near you. And, and that's the cool thing about it is Everybody who goes to Jerusalem for this feast has a common goal. They're going there to worship God and have fun during this uh, trip. And that's what's so cool about God really is he wants his people to have fun. He wants them to be able to take time off. In fact, he commands his people to take time off. God is not a dictator. You know, like we don't when we think of the word dictator, we think of somebody that is super controlling, is super like commanding of you, doesn't let you have a lot of time off. But that's not what God is because God actually commands his people to have time off. He's like, take a break, have fun, spend time with your family, spend time with your servants. This was even for the lowest class of people to be able to fellowship with with everybody else. There was no status here. Everyone was supposed to celebrate together. Everyone was supposed to worship God together during this fun holiday. And that's basically what the Feast of Booths represented was peace and celebrating God and and the things that God gives you. Yeah, it actually says in verse 15, you shall be altogether joyful. So everybody was supposed to participate in this joy. Social status did not matter. It doesn't matter. And that's absolutely true. I mean, it actually says in the Bible that God is not a respecter of persons. That means that um, that's old fashioned to mean that God does not play favorites. He doesn't care what your social status is. He could care less. In God's eyes, every single person is equal. And that's why God tells rich people to treat poor people with respect. And that's why he commands uh, religious leaders or other leaders or political leaders to be the servants of the people. That's why when Jesus came down to earth, he was a servant and he hung out with some of the lowest classes of people like tax collectors and stuff because God does not play favorites. In his eyes, everybody is equal. And this is kind of a representation of that, this holiday of how God loves everybody the same. So then it says here, three times in a year, all of your males shall appear before Yahweh your God in the place which he chooses. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Booths. And these were the three feasts that we just talked about um, today and on Wednesday. And God says that three times a year was when the males were supposed to appear before God. We actually see Jesus um, followed this rule during his 
ministry. In fact, during the book of Luke, half of that book was like talking about Jesus's journey to Jerusalem for the Passover. It was like half of the book talking about that. So yeah, I mean, Jesus followed this, uh, this rule that the males were supposed to appear before God. And it says every man that comes as he is able should give God something. So out of the blessings that God gives people, they were supposed to give God something back. Give according to Yahweh or God's blessing, which he has given you. So a poor person was not expected to give a ton of stuff to God. Now, a rich person, on the other hand, because God had blessed him with a lot of money, would be expected to give more than a poor person would have. We actually see God giving allowances to the poor many times in scripture, actually. Even with their sacrifices, the poor people wouldn't have to bring as much. They could bring like a dove or a pigeon or something like that to sacrifice instead of like a whole bull. So yeah, I mean, God is just very fair. He's very kind and he loves his people and he makes allowances for people also. So yeah, God is like the opposite of a dictator. I just want to throw that out there because we, we often think that God is like this mean old dictator that's like up in heaven, ready to shoot his lightning down at everyone. And I'm going to be honest, that's what I used to believe also. I truly thought that God was mean and that he just, uh, you know, wanted to dictate everything that was going on. But that's the thing. God does want people to follow the rules. He does. When he puts a rule in place, he wants it and expects it to be followed because it's not just about the rule. It's about us. When we follow what God wants us to do, it's like the best possible way for us to live our lives. Like it's really good for us, basically. And God knows that. And so that's why there's a lot of rules that he puts in place. It's because they're in the end, they're actually very good for us. And they're in line with how God created us to be. But after this, it kind of changes the subject in verse 18. It says, you shall make judges and officers within all your gates, which Yahweh or God gives you according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with righteous judgment. So God is putting in place judges that would keep the people in line. You know, if the people had a problem, they'd go to their local judge and the judge would hear them out and decide then what was going to happen with that person and that issue. This kind of social structure is obviously very important because if people are kind of just left to do whatever they want to do, it's going to turn into like the Wild West. So yeah, I mean, officers and and judges are important and God puts them in place very quickly uh, for the Israelites. It says, you shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality. There we go again. God doesn't show any partiality. He doesn't play favorites. So of course, his people were supposed to imitate that. They aren't supposed to show partiality either. Instead, they're supposed to just listen to the issue at hand, these judges, and decide based upon that. They shouldn't be deciding based upon if this person has money or not. And then God even goes in to say that the judges should not take a bribe, or rather no one should take a bribe, regardless of whether they're a judge or not. Because here's what it says, for a bribe blinds the eye of the wise and perverts the words of the righteous. And that goes back to the whole like love of money thing. When someone loves money too much and it controls them, like their love of money controls everything they do, it begins to blind them to the needs of other people. And this is especially important for somebody who is a leader, like a judge. A leader should not be overly in love with money. And it's really cool because um, my college and career group actually just talked about this on Friday night 
we had a whole discussion about love of money. And I brought up the question, what does that mean? What does it mean to love money? Because there are verses in scripture that talk about, you know, we can definitely have money. We can definitely uh, spend our money wisely and use our money wisely. So what does it mean to love money? Because God gives us everything we have, even money. And I mean, even people like Dave Ramsey built his entire career based upon money and advising people how to spend their money. And one of the people in my group actually brought up that love of money is trusting in money more than you trust in God. So when you begin to trust that your money is what can save you, your money is what can get you out of an issue, that is when you fall into love of money rather than love of God. We have to trust God first above everything else in our lives. We can't trust our money. We have to trust God first because God's the one that supplies us with that money. So if these judges are loving money too much and are too focused on that, they're going to pervert justice. They're going to throw justice out the window. And this poor person who doesn't have money, who can't offer a bribe, is going to be destroyed potentially. And God's saying that's wrong because that poor person, who cares if he's poor? He's a human being in God's image. So he should be treated with justness, with fairness. It doesn't matter his social status. And God makes that very clear here. Then it says here, you shall not plant for yourselves an Asherah of any kind of tree besides Yahweh or God's altar, which you shall make for yourselves. So God's saying, don't mix in other religions into what I tell you to do. Don't plant an Asherah tree anywhere near an altar for me. I don't want anything to do with Asherah. I don't want anything to do with these sacred stones. I don't want anything to do with idols. That's what God is saying to his people. Just because the nations around you might worship Asherah or these sacred stones or whatever else, that doesn't matter. You shouldn't be trying to tolerate that kind of stuff that they're doing. God tells us to worship him in spirit and in truth. We just read that verse, actually, in John 3. Worshiping God in truth is not intermixing all these other little religions into our religion. That's not the truth. And this is why we need to be so careful with what we allow in our churches. We can't allow New Ageism or Buddhism or Taoism or whatever else into our churches because that's not the truth. The truth is actually the Bible. That is the truth. And, and fun fact, my mom just wrote in a blog post about this over on P40 Ministries, and she includes a really awesome little story that happened to my family. It's a true story of when God actually spoke to my mom through scripture. And I'm going to link that post actually in the bio of this podcast episode so you can navigate to it and uh, read a little bit more about how the Bible is the truth. So God here says, don't put an Asherah pole up because you want to be sensitive to the people around you and maybe try to like draw them into uh, Judaism that way. No, that's not the way you're going to draw them in. The way you're going to draw them in is by speaking the truth. People are desperate for the truth, especially now. Well, maybe not especially now, but I see it now a lot. People are really, really desperate for truth. And since Christians have the truth, we should be spreading it everywhere. We should not be trying to be sensitive of another person's, you know, religion and, and integrating that into ours. That's not the right way to handle it. We can be kind to that person that has a different religion. We can be kind and considerate of them and we can befriend them 
similar to the way Jesus befriended the Samaritan woman, right? And was kind to her. But even Jesus himself told the Samaritan woman, you're sinning, you know, and he gave her the truth. He gave her the gospel. And that is how we're supposed to handle that kind of stuff as well by worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And to finish out here in Deuteronomy, it says that God actually hates the sacred stones and the Asherah poles. He hates that stuff. And we're supposed to be pleasing God before anybody else. And since God hates stuff that is not the truth, we need to be honoring God before we honor anybody else. And that includes stuff like this. This is why we need to keep our churches holy. We need to keep them separate from the world and the other world religions. Well, guys, check out that blog post that my mom wrote about truth. It's really, really cute. I think you guys are going to like it. There's also a picture of me as a like fifth grader in there. So that's going to be fun for you guys to see. <laughs> so I li- I'm linking that in the bio of this podcast episode. Friends and faithful listeners, I really hope you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Tell me what you're going to do and uh, keep in contact with me. I love hearing from you guys, but I'll see you all on Monday, bright and early for another episode out of Deuteronomy, but this time out of Deuteronomy 17. Happy listening and God bless. <laughs>